Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How's it growing, folks? Welcome back to another new episode of Here We Go, the podcast issuing a public health message that it's just a matter of time before marijuana makes it into your life. I'm your host, Eddie Salaya, cannabis reporter here at the Arizona Daily Star and TucsonMarijuanaGuide.com. Before I get into today's episode, I want to remind you all to give Here We'd Go a like, a review, maybe even subscribe wherever it is you stream this fine weekly podcast from. And don't forget to follow the official Here We'd Go Instagram and Facebook pages, especially since next week I'll be posting content during my trip to Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. So in the age of the pandemic, I'm of the belief that knowledge, when paired with good data, is power. That logic applies to public health initiatives as well. In the case of marijuana and other recreational drugs, however, patients and consumers within the community are rightfully skeptical of public health programs and initiatives. And who can blame them? Look at the infamous D.A.R.E. program of the late 80s and 90s. Two generations of school children and young adults were given the just say no talk and were taught to lump cannabis into the same category as much harder substances like crack or heroin when it came to consequences and health detriments. And many of those consequences, when they weren't coming in the form of unfair and unjust criminal charges, usually for minorities, those consequences were usually over-exaggerated when it came to physical and health-related effects. Still, it's disingenuous to suggest that consuming cannabis, especially habitually, is all rainbows, lollipops, and thumbs up from your doctor for a perfect bill of health. For some people, and I put the emphasis on some, there are health-related risks and issues that come with cannabis consumption. But it's not like the overdose fears drilled into third graders' heads during their after-recess dare session in 1993. To help talk to me about what a modern state-sponsored and funded public health campaign aimed at educating the public about marijuana usage looks like, I spoke with Dr. Benjamin Brady, the Director of Education and Policy Initiatives at the University of Arizona's Comprehensive Pain and Addiction Center. The center was the recipient of a $1 million grant from the Arizona Department of Health Services, a state agency in charge of regulating marijuana, to develop a program that promotes awareness and respect for Arizona's marijuana laws and to encourage responsible use of cannabis. You can read more about that grant in my story on TucsonMarijuanaGuide.com, 
But in our conversation, Dr. Brady and I clear the smoke around what a public health campaign created around marijuana usage should look and sound like in this day and age, how public health education has evolved since Nancy Reagan smashed those eggs, and just how he and his colleagues will be able to measure if the public has finally wised up when it comes to weed. So talk to me a little bit about this grant that CPAC just received. Uh, It's a million dollars from the Arizona Department of Health Services to develop messages to promote awareness and respect for Arizona's marijuana laws and to encourage responsible use. Uh, How did the center get the grant? And was it a competitive sort of thing or was it something that was kind of preordained? Uh, It was a competitive process. The Arizona Department of Health Services put out a request for proposals uh, last year. Uh, In June of 2022, we had submitted our proposal, and we found out towards the end of 2022 that we were selected as the agency to develop and and, uh, uh, provide the educational uh, events and trainings and messaging that are part of this project. Gotcha. So who who kind of came up with the uh, the pitch, if you will, with the idea for this campaign? And was it like a sort of thing where you everybody, all these groups got together and delivered it? Or was it something that was submitted and you found out almost by email? Uh, we put so the, the Comprehensive Pain and Addiction Center, right when we saw this proposal or this request for proposals, we knew that we were uh, well suited to uh, be responsive to it because as a center at the University of Arizona, we are by design an interdisciplinary group where we have experts and specialists um, who do who study and research the pharmacological and, and toxicity properties of various substances, as well as clinicians who work with um, communities and patients um, for to provide guidance and treatment for use disorders, cannabis use disorders. And then we have folks who work on the education and policy side of things, uh, who have expertise in health prevention and health promotion messaging. So where all of us can, are already working together within a center, we, we put together a proposal as a unified team to be able to do the education and outreach for responsible cannabis use. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit about prior, I guess, public health campaigns uh, for marijuana and other substances. Uh, for the longest time, I know when I was growing up in the early and late 90s, uh, cannabis and marijuana were lumped into the much harder substances and drugs. Uh, the approach of just say no was very, very, very prominent at the time. With the move by states to legalized recreational and medical use cannabis. Uh, what sort of message will CPAC be sending here? I, 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 I'm just kind of wondering uh, if it'll be a message like along the lines of those 80s and 90s campaigns of just say no. No, it'll be different. Um, as, as we've, so shifts have occurred over the last few decades in a number of ways our understanding of what messaging uh, audiences respond to, as well as our understanding of what actual 
uh, in anticipated harm looks like from use and involvement with the substances, uh, as well as the legal landscape, right? So I just say no message wouldn't make sense in a landscape where use is permissible, um, you know, for, for certain portions of the population, um, age restricted in, in this case. Um, but for effectiveness reasons above all, right, if you're, if you're prioritizing a primary prevention orientation, and so that's kind of public health speak for saying, uh, we, we just want people to never touch or use or think about, and so we're going to promote uh, uh, people to just stay away from it, right? So that's what a just say no message um, supposes. Um, so that will protect some people, uh, but it won't protect others. And so uh, taking a public health orientation where we're saying, well, we want to have something to offer to everybody, uh, we'll be taking a, a messaging approach that uh, is safety first, where we're going to be offering prevention opportunities for those along a spectrum of cannabis involvement, right? Mm. Whether they want to use occasionally, uh, whether they're regular active users, I mean, across for different populations by age or by use for recreational use versus medicinal use. So we want to be able to have safety recommendations for everyone. That's that's really interesting and kind of leads into my my next question. What will those different messages look like uh, for for those different groups? Uh, and I know I'm most interested uh, for for like let's just say adults who use recreationally and then for children or people 18 and under or 21 and under in the case of, of cannabis consumption. Right. So we're going to emphasize that drug harm occurs on a spectrum of use so that not every form of use is dangerous in the same way. And so we're going to give examples of what that looks like. We're going to promote personal responsibility and self-directed decision-making and, and, uh, not only give examples of what that looks like, but art to articulate for, for members of the audience um, how to, to, be, to reflect on their use, why they use, and, and to um, illustrate how uh, intentionality in use and purpose of use uh, goes a long way to um, increasing or decreasing risk of use. Um, and so we're going to promote a balanced view, right? Not all use results in immediate or negative health consequences. Going back to the just say no messaging of two or three decades ago, right? We didn't hear much of that. Now, the consequence of that is you turn off a lot of your audience, right? And they dismiss you as being agenda driven or being, you know, sensationalizing or exaggerating the risks. And so once you turn people off, then you're not able to talk about actual risk. And so that's what we're trying to balance, right? Cannabis use can provide important medicinal benefits, but we need to be clear on what those are and the fact that we know less, there's a lot that we don't know about medicinal use or harms of recreational use. And so being honest and transparent about what we do know and maintaining that balanced view, we believe would put us then in a position to talk about how cannabis harm or cannabis can result in harm, not just health, not just physical or psychological, but also life disruption, legal consequence, social consequence, financial consequence. And so being able to take a, a more holistic view of it um, 
then we're able to speak to harms that any number of folks, and that's where engaging with youth or having messages that would be relevant for youth, right? We know that many youth will be dismissive of a, hey, this could be bad for you. They, their perspective oftentimes is informed by lived experience and experience of friends as much by you know, a health professional's recommendation. And if they say, well, my, my friend uses it and they're not sick. And so if the doctor's telling me don't use or I'll get sick, right? It's easy to dismiss the doctor in, in favor of their own life experience. But if you speak to, um, well, do you know somebody who's been kicked out of school? Or do you know somebody who's had been suspended from school? Or do you know somebody who's had other consequences, not just health consequences, then you can start making a more compelling message about responsibility, safety, and care and caution so that hopefully we could moderate and prevent a lot of the harm that that, that members of Arizona, uh, the public in Arizona uh, may otherwise face. Let's talk a little bit about what this campaign will look like. What will this million dollar grant allow for? Is this Billboards we're talking about, ads on buses, uh, uh, in in media, on search engines. Is it like dare classes in in some schools or neighborhoods? Uh, what is what 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 are we what are we talking about here? Uh, so it's the million dollars that'll be spent over five years, and so it's not a big infusion of money right away, but it'll be a trickle over time. And so what we're going to do is create. Um, educational content. And then we're going to, so part of it is creating the edu- the messaging and then the content, um, largely videos and messages, toolkits. Uh, but then a lot of it will be in, edu- in outreach to communities. And the uh, communities that we're going to uh, try and reach and what the Arizona Department of Health Services has asked us to reach uh, involve youth in school-based settings, um, youth and adults in community settings and health professionals. Um, and so part of the messaging, and, and this is where we, we're grateful to be partnering with ADHS because they do have a, a, a broader and more inclusive view of this is um, that we want to help help the helpers as well. So to give more accurate uh, information to healthcare professionals who are both Reservice who are training to be future healthcare providers. So we'll have some educational content that will be available in a university setting, but then also educational content available to current practitioners through uh, webinars and continuing education events so that um, there are questions around how to talk to patients who use cannabis, how to talk to folks who they may be concerned about or have questions about what would be safe or if there's medicinal therapeutic value, that we can get better resources and better information in their hands. And how how would success uh, be judged? Uh, is this something that you'll have metrics to kind of let you know, or is this sort of something that you just hope is, like you said, an educational thing that people, whereas I remember the just say no, uh, this is something that kind of sticks with people throughout their lifetime. Right. Uh, it'll be both. It'll be primarily educational, but we can measure that and we can evaluate whether we're being successful in improving understanding and uh, shifting attitudes towards a more responsible approach as opposed to uh, less responsible, right? More um, uh, hope for the best use now and hope for the best later approach. 
Right. So we'll um, we'll look for increased in knowledge and understanding um, from the trainings. Um, and we'll also ask about folks um, prior practices and then their future intended practices. Um, and then we'll be able to do that over time. And so we'll be able to see how many people we're reaching. And so an important measure of success is if we're able to reach more and more people over time. Hmm. So, and this is kind of a, an aside question or a related question. Uh, I've noticed that with rise of fentanyl uh, overdoses and the rise of opioid drug usage in the United States overall, some politicians and some states have begun to argue uh, a kind of new version of the old gateway drug theory that permissive use of cannabis directly sends, whether literally or through message, some initial users of cannabis down a pipeline to harder substances. Um, is there a point uh, of, of contention that these uh, proponents of the gateway drug theory are hitting on? Or is this something that has really been debunked uh, in, in research circles? Um, so this grant won't focus on that as much, but just in my experience as a drug policy researcher, um, my sense of it is, is it's, it's more on the debunked side. Mm. Uh, the, the gateway hypothesis and the gateway theory has always had important um, evidence holes in it. So the, the epidemiology of use and understanding um, in the language of exposure and outcome, whether using one thing will lead to um, use of another. Um, you know, we've, and that, that gate, so gateway theories in general um, are important to consider because we we asked that, I mean, in, in a way, it's just a dressed up way of asking a, a causal relationship, right? Does doing one thing lead to another thing? And so science is all about that. And so whether we're interested in how youth or adults exposure to one thing may increase risk or exposure to another thing. Um, but once we disentangle all of the risk factors around other substance use, we realized that um, that it, it's just it's all mixed up, and so sure, can you find evidence that one person who never otherwise would have smoked a cigarette or drank alcohol or injected heroin had they not smoked marijuana first? Yes, you can find that person. So, but uh, the gateway hypothesis is much makes a much stronger claim than does it. Yeah is it associated, but right, because cannabis is used at much, much higher rates than, the, than well, second, well, third to uh, Cigarettes tobacco and alcohol. and alcohol, right, the third most commonly used substance, but far more than anything else that comes after it, um, right, we, we just haven't seen evidence that it's driving up in a meaningful way use of those other substances that occurs but but the, the risk factors intersect. Mm. The same risk factors, reasons why somebody may be interested in cannabis um, would be true for those others. What, what when will this uh, when will this campaign be rolling out? Uh, when when should people expect to see or hear about this campaign? Uh, so we're we're in the middle of our first year, and, oh. and the first year will be a lot of time and energy in getting. Um, some of the content developed and the training materials and some of the videos that we'll be sharing. Um, you know, back to your early message of what will this look like? Yeah, not so much billboards on the side of the road, 
there'll be, but there will be a lot of outreach and that outreach will be through normal channels like social media and sharing through um, healthcare provider and health coalition listservs across the state. We'll be doing a lot of um, prospecting promotion. So getting the information in the hands of other organizations that do substance use prevention and outreach um, so that they can uh, cross promote it. Um, right. Cannabis just hasn't, it's it's been much more local. We haven't seen a lot at a state level by a unified campaign. And that's where this will be a really exciting opportunity to do that within Arizona. I want to give the biggest shout out ever to Dr. Benjamin Brady for coming on Here We Go. I actually conducted this interview back in mid-April and had forgotten all about it until a notice for the story that I wrote based on this interview about the grant that the Addiction Center won popped up on my phone. I'm glad you could all hear the positive news about where public health messaging is now in regards to marijuana. Even though I bragged on the just say no messaging and era that was popularized during the 80s and 90s, it at least wasn't nearly as divorced from reality and the facts at hand as the messaging around cannabis in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when that real reefer madness and devil's lettuce attitude towards pot was fomented and encouraged. Obviously, society has come a long way since then. But until federal prohibition falls, and there's a movement to free those who are still incarcerated on unreasonable cannabis charges, the work still remains. If you'd like to learn more about the University of Arizona's Comprehensive Pain and Addiction Center, or how the $1 million grant from the Arizona Department of Health Services is being utilized, I've included links to the organization and my story on the subject in this episode's description. That'll wrap up this joint, folks. Watch out for more Here We Go coming at you next week with a new podcast episode scheduled to drop next Wednesday. So, until then, folks, it's summertime and hot out there, so stay hydrated. And if you can't do that, well, then at least stay high, because here we go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.